Watch and chat with the podcast live Thursday nights at twitch.tv slash trainwreckstv. Um, if you have a friend that confides in you, like personal thoughts, and you know that they're wrestling with a lot of suicidal ideation and they trust you to some level um, with their thoughts, mm-hmm. do, you, do you think that if you feel like that friend is at risk for hurting themselves, do you have an obligation to call somebody and do something about it? Or do you think that's a violation of that boundary? Um, yeah, well, I, I, can't, I, think, I think it's okay to burn a bridge to save a life. Uh huh. Does that okay. answer your question? Um, no, I have like 20 more, but that's okay. I'll, I'll bug you some other time about that. I'm really, yeah, like sure. a, I'm really I mean, big it, one. I'm really curious. Question, and it's challenging. Yeah, yeah. Thank okay. you, Dr. K. Thank you, Dr. K. Thank you, Dr. K. Thank you, Dr. K. Please spam it in chat. Healthygamer underscore GG. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Uh, let's go ahead. Welcome, XQC. Welcome, Destiny. Uh, thanks for supporting this and thanks for being a part of this. Uh, we're going to go about for about an hour, hour and a half longer, and then we're going to wrap the podcast up. Um, Devin, do you want to have uh, Jason? Yes, I got it. Yeah, so I think uh, I think the first part of the podcast, the design of it, and huge thanks to Dr. K for 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 being here and just and just talking about all these issues. Um, what we want to do right now is we I, I want to get Jason some time to talk about what Rad is and why we're here, and um, then we can kind of like keep going on the mental health discussion and get Jason a little bit more involved. So Jason, if you could take some time to explain what you're doing at Rad, um, why it matters, and like what we're here for, that'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. And and yeah, I love that kind of just like free flow conversation openly about mental health. It's, those are the kinds of things that we really want to be seeing more just in general around the world. And um, to, to that point, uh, RAD, Rise Above the Disorder, uh, is effectively a homegrown universal mental health care system. We started as like a, as a World of Warcraft guild inviting people that wanted to talk about their mental health and ultimately going through a lot of that talking and and seeing that most people needed to talk with a professional, finding people, professionals to talk to, and then discovering kind of the big issue that a lot of people face that you can find the best possible mental health professional to see that you really are excited about seeing and then realize you don't have the right insurance, you don't have the ability to pay. And then we just amplified that a million times more. Um, and the our solution as a, a bunch of people that were pretty much just no life in World of Warcraft was, well, what if we started selling carries and boosts to cover people's mental health care? Um, and it was <laughs> kind of a, a, a really unique system uh, at first, uh, Gary kills and getting people to diamond or, or sometimes even getting people to challenger. Uh, in league, um, whatever it really took to fuel the cost of people's mental health care was was what we were exhausting uh, until ultimately uh, we got discovered by Trick2G and, and some of his viewers, which happened to be Imagine Dragons. And kind of the rest just exploded where we became a nonprofit. Um, so I, I, I've been doing this for, for many, many years now and, and really just tried to build programs that fit to the current problems I see within mental health care, which is namely access and affordability. Far too many people have no way to access mental health care or just don't know uh, even the, the right steps to take to, to get any form of care. Uh, and then the vast majority of people can never afford that care, even if they find it. So from selling carries to collecting donations to working 
with content creators and, and music artists, uh, we've been able to fuel the recovery costs of a, a little over 36,000 people now um, from well over 100 states. So we're just a rapidly expanding that. A little bit of emphasis on that. He just said that that's 36,000 people that got mental care that would otherwise not have done it through RID. Yeah, it, yeah. it's been a, a really incredible journey. Um, so, we, you know, when we're talking about things like just talking in general about mental health and, and we're making kind of these grand visions and, and um, you know, we're looking at what makes the community, who are the toxic people. I mean, we've seen it all. <laughs> like we've we've literally seen it all. Our our, our numbers are so uh, well established. Um, I mean, when the European Union Parliament decided on gambling um, and loot crates within gaming, we helped influence that. Um, when the World Health Organization was talking about gaming as potentially addicting, you know, we we fought back against that and and made our stand known right there in, in front of many other delegates. And in terms of, of trying to expand access to mental health care and make that a, a right, uh, a possibility for anybody, um, we helped to co-create different programs with the United right. Nations to do exactly that for developing nations who will hopefully not make the same mistakes that the United States made uh, in terms of creating a, a mental health care system that is like our healthcare system in general, really only available for those with wealth money. Yeah. Um, so you're it, such yeah. a like nice and humble and like soft spoken person. I feel like I got to get in here. Boys, listen. Hey, guys, we're at 5322. Okay. I think we can get together. We can get the 10K together. Right. Like I said, take care of you first. Right. <laughs> you know, right now in the middle of a pandemic, crazy shit's happening. So please make sure you're good. You know, take care of yourself. You know, anyone else, boys, we're almost at 10K. We're $4,678 away. Quick math. Is that right? I think so. Hey, we're almost there, boys. 5322. Let's get to 10K. And I'll throw some on the top at the end, boys. All right. Love you guys. So. I appreciate that. No, I appreciate you, man. You, dude, you're like, you're so nice. I love it. You're like so positive vibed. I feel like, you know, yeah, I, I can't. And his voice is common as shit. Yeah, yeah, I, I, could, I, I could like you know put you on you know. To, uh, never mind. Okay. Um, I've um I've done a lot of uh. Well, I don't want. It sounds like I'm jerking myself off, but I, I've done quite a bit of work with charities in the past. I've never encountered a person who is so passionate about fixing a problem as Jason. His his understanding of depression, uh, both personally and just relating to all the people that he's helped himself and all the people he's found help through uh, his charity. His, his passion for it cannot be understated. And I look for a lot of things in charities, such as um, just the uh, amount of money going back into care, the amount of um, administrative fees being taken off the top. Uh, Rise Against the Disorder is like the most legit like charity in the gaming space right now for mental health. And I, I think is a, I'm, just, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we finally did something um, because I've been talking about bringing you on something like this for a long time, you know? I appreciate that. It's... Yeah. Um... You know, it's, it's, it's been a lot of effort to, to kind of build this. And I think, you know, when we first began, um, we were, we were a group called anxiety gaming and, mm -hmm. you know, I remember, uh, people tell us that, you know, mental health and gaming made no sense that focusing on the gaming community was a niche thing to be doing, you know, that we were making a lot of mistakes and in, in trying to do more within the gaming community. And, and, you know, that was almost 10 years ago. 
Um, you know, we rode the wave of esports, um, but we rode it in a way where, you know, we just worked with everybody and we never talked about it. You know, we expanded with the rise of Twitch, but we didn't create content. You know, we, we served the content creators. Um, and now as, as we've kind of increasingly built ourselves into the music space and, you know, ev even this weekend working with like Wiz Khalifa and Snoop Dogg, um, we, you know, we've kind of continued to do the same thing, uh, you know, almost to a fault where we're just so focused on the people themselves. So we don't function very well as a business, uh, so to speak, That's, you know, usually I've had to drag you kicking and screaming into the monetization world, but <laughs> like, damn it, Jason, you got to make some money, dude. <laughs> like they're so passionate about the program that like a lot of the time, um, they'll just be trying to do everything for free and you'll be working your ass off, like, you know, um, helping as many people as possible. And, and it, it's so noble, but yeah, like at some point, like, you know, you got to scale exponentially for your, get in front of more people, right? Well, you would be proud of, of where we've come. I've hired significantly more people in the last few months, more social workers, more people that can help us provide a, a higher level of care. We're getting biz dev people brought Excellent. in for the first time. So they yeah, can I do love that. It. But the, I guess the, the, I, I mentioned very briefly once before um, that we had some like a, a secret program. Um, Rat only really has three programs. Um, the first program is, is what a lot of people tend to use. And that's our therapist finder. Um, if you are, you know, anybody in the world just really want to start seeing a mental health professional, um, that's kind of that first step. You have insurance, you have the ability to pay however much that may be. Um, you know, we kind of have our social work team go through, get a better understanding of you. Uh, and then we spend the next few days interviewing you know, 30, 40, sometimes even 50 different therapists to try and figure out which one is going to fit you best. Um, now, if you can't afford that, um, that's where our second program is and, and where a lot of people end up being these days where we, we just cover the cost completely. Um, I've covered people's Uber. We've covered pot, you know, for, for people that find that that takes a lot of the edge off. Um, of course, psychotherapy, group sessions, sometimes even medical exams if it's necessary. Like that's really where we get to do the most good with the, with the donations that we receive. And then our third program is, is their CRT program that I mentioned, our, our creator response team. And uh, I mean, I've just seen it all. Um, you know, I, I work with people who have very troubling addiction issues and, you know, I, I might show up to their $40 million mansion you know, because they're, they're part of some gigantic, well-invested group. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm really working with a human that feels so much pain that anytime they have to experience that pain directly, they medicate. Lots of imposter syndrome, whether that's the kind of person who hyper procrastinates. Yeah, let me just make sure I do everything perfect, but I'm not going to do anything until I know for sure it's going to be perfect to the I'm just going to stay distracted this whole time. Like I'm going to no life path of exile or league or wow until maybe the issue just solves itself. And then ultimately they do the thing and then they go, well, I got lucky. You know, that's just, you know, it's all, that's all it is to, you know, of course the suicidal ideation, the depression, the anxiety, um, kind of blows my mind. You know, a lot of the, the esports players that we work with, you know, to, to get into esports now, like there's a ton of money, 
Um, but if you look at somebody who got into esports like 10 years ago, when it was literally potentially throwing your life away, like, yeah, mom, I'm not going to go to school anymore. I'm going to play League of Legends season one. And that's what I'm going to do. Uh, a lot of the times when we start working with those people, there's, there's some kind of underlying anxiety, some kind of underlying depression that this lifestyle really, you know, was fit for. Um, and um, thankfully it worked out. We just got a, a one thousand dollar donation from Dr. K and Dr. K's wife. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank yeah, that's awesome. Um, they wanted you to know that um, they said what you're doing is really great and helping remove barriers to getting help, and they really appreciate you. Thank Dr. you, Dr. K. Thank you so much. That is, hey, that's wholesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. K. And thank you to your wife. Um, yeah, I just want to say that I heard that, and I, I love Dr. K. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Just wonderful. Yeah, I, I guess that that's really us in nice. in kind of a nutshell. Um, you know, the the kind of ever leaning idea of universal healthcare, um, or specifically universal mental health care, is is what we're trying to build. And and I firmly believe that the gaming community can do that. I don't think we have to wait for politicians to play in our favor. I, I don't think we have to wait for some kind of messiah. I think we simply need to kind of band together and, and continue to push that 99% forward. That's awesome. Thank you. Are you kidding me, Devin? I step away because I have to do something real quick and you can't continue from that? Okay, I got it. What, 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 do, you, what do you mean? The, oh, I mean, awful. like, I'm letting it sink in, dude. Like, we need a little bit of a, a moment of of just feeling and absorbing the goodness okay i'm just yeah, that's feeling the, the vibe right in the wave that's dude the, that's the All effect right? we, that, that that's the effect you might be feeling but trust me when it comes to you know uh, uh having an audience of you know a large audience the effect they feel is this it it, it actually it perpetuates this like this in just trust me okay it's not good anyways okay wait so, I, I, so i missed a lot of the earlier conversation so i, I have a couple of questions but you can tell me if you guys have already talked about it because yeah, i'm go just, ahead. i'm curious yeah. um for um uh, okay i'm sorry what is your i'm assuming you don't go by feels rad right no, Jason. 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 Okay. No. Um, so obviously, both the people on this podcast and the audience listening uh, have a lot of people that play a lot of video games. Um, like four hours a day is laughable. Like I'm talking like eight plus hours a day for a lot of people. Um, how is somebody like what are some indicators that somebody look, should look for to find out if they have like an unhealthy relationship with that hobby? Um, like I'm sure there are people that play for eight hours a day, but they still work. They still see friends like they feel OK. And then there are people that, you know, don't like how, how should somebody know, like this is probably an unhealthy addiction or something? Sure. That's that's an excellent question. Um, so what we tend to to kind of fire back with something like that is is. Uh, is this person able to identify that this behavior is getting in the way of their life? Um, is it getting in the way of things that they want to be doing? Is it getting in the way of things that they should be doing or need to be doing? Um, if they can't identify that, okay, there's probably a, a pretty serious problem there, th this kind of lack of awareness of, of everything going on. We, we, we see that in like substance abuse issues where you know, even even of a poll of about 30 million people who struggled with substance abuse, all, only like 1% actually identified that they had a problem, which is pretty alarming. So if they don't have that awareness, then then I'm pretty concerned. If they are aware, then what I tend to think is, okay, what are you trying to get away from? What, what could potentially exist here that leads to someone occupying so much time with any 
habit and, and, and maybe not even just any habit, but something like gaming where so many systems are, are built to entice you, to reward dopamine, to set up that kind of psychological structure where it feels rewarding sort of to continue playing. How does somebody know when they're at a level where they need like external help for something? So maybe somebody has tried to deal with issues and they feel like maybe they don't have a good grasp on it or they can't tell if they're improving fast enough. What's like, what are a couple of good indicators for somebody to be looking for, for like, I need to reach out to somebody else because I can't deal with this on my own. Sure. Um, so in terms of, of what that individual might be looking for, if they're being introspective, um, you know, if, if they can be mindful of, of where their feelings are, if they can be mindful of, of what their actions are, and they identify that those things don't line up with what they want and, and where they should be, more so that that has been going on for an extended amount of time. And it's at a point where the symptoms, the response to those things uh, is starting to have some other kinds of manifestations. Now, that, that's that's kind of like a long-winded way to to answer it. But I, I think the reality is if, if you're somebody who is experiencing something like depression, for example, mm-hmm. um, and you go through and you realize that this state of depression has not faded and it's been a, a considerable amount of time, that's a point where you might want to start to reach out and get help because whether you've you've really developed something like a major depressive disorder or, or not, you're certainly taking on the behaviors of such. Mm-hmm. And, and that is an issue. If it's like something related to anxiety, um, and anxiety is keeping you from going the places that you want to go, is keeping you from doing and engaging in the actions that you want to engage in, and you don't find that you have had any change in that over the last you know few months or so that's when i tend to recommend somebody seek help at, at the same time i i almost kind of encourage it I, I think maybe that's where dr k and i disagree is is i'm almost to the point where i, I think um as we increase access to mental health services that they're pretty safe to activate on at any point not necessarily that somebody will fix you, you know, but somebody will be able to help you identify even further if it's necessary to be in treatment for an extended amount of time. Okay. Hmm. That's cool. Um, sorry, I was looking at the donation list. We got a, uh, we have, a, it's, I just pulled a train wreck. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, we have a thousand dollar donation from Tora Baca. He says, uh, mill love. Thank you very much. That's a, one of my emotes. Dude, that's an amazing donation. Um, thank you nice. so much. We also have a, um, $500 donation from MP. Um, thank you very much. And I'm triggered. That's a uh, super cool. Thank you both. Um, in the last 20 minutes, we have tripled what we were before Jason explained what rad was to give mm-hmm. you an idea of the power of calls to action in terms of marketing. Yeah. So we're now, uh, passing, uh, 9,000 guys. You guys are doing incredible. Yeah, Wait, what is that? that? I always read that in the fucking sponsor sheets when I did a call to action. I always read that. I was like, <laughs> fuck even is that shit, dude? That's like train going, guys, we're only 10 away, 10 away. Yeah. Guys, 10 yeah away. That's, that's a call to action. Shout outs. Yeah, yeah. Which by yeah, the way, like, we are only 900 and. Seventy-eight dollars away from ten thousand. Yeah, that's a. Big I fucked number. up in the. What I should have done is I honestly should have had. We we should have had Jason um introduce like right away, and so I fucked up to get the podcast. So we were like, we, we and now like that Jason's like had a chance to talk a little bit. Everybody knows what Rad's doing. Like like we're just like killing it. You guys are crushing it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I definitely um, I could have had a ten man because uh, I think actually Destiny would have brought some good dialogue in, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, someone wanted to eight so. 
it ended up working that way. And I, th- I actually agreed. But yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll do this again. We'll bring Destiny and XXC and they can ask whatever questions they want. And we can mm-hmm. further, uh, you know, expand and explore. But as far as, uh, you know, everything that's going on, do any of you guys, you know, I don't think I've ever, you know, I mean, obviously this isn't, to put this right, you know what, this isn't the uh, stage to ask. I'll ask us personally. Destiny, go ahead. I think you're going to say something. Uh, no, I have like a million mental health related questions. So if, if you don't have anything to talk about, I can just ask those. But otherwise, yeah, you keep them. I'm happy to answer those as well. That's <laughs> what I love. So I guess my my question is, or and I, I think this affects a lot of us here, right? I think XQC is, uh, you know, at least during my like, you know, when I was streaming a lot, he was one of the only ones that was like, you know, just going huge hours, right? It would make my hours look like nothing. So do you think, so some of us are raised in a way where you, you have to learn that sometimes it's not what you want, it's what you need to do. And since we're in this world where money makes the world go round, it's this capitalist society, um, do you think when you're in a position like a streamer where you're not sure when it ends, and I think, I think that that's part of the justification and part of the, or at least the start of what leads you down the path of possible denial uh, regarding your mental health or physical health when you put hours and hours and hours in because you're trying to take advantage of the situation. You're not sure when's this going to end. You know, when am I going to wake up one day and have a thousand viewers instead of 30,000? So how do you find a balance in this? Do you think it's justified, you know, in our line of work where tomorrow everything can end over, you know, a DMCA or over a ban? Does that make sense? I think this is the cause of a lot of uh, people's just hard grind and excessive mm-hmm. streaming. Uh, and obviously it's just what they love to do. Like that's obviously a reason as well, but the other is just as much. Root. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I guess what I'm asking is how do you, how do you balance that? Like, like, is there a way to step back and realize, you know, the long-term effects and is it actually worth it? Cause I think what we do in America a lot is we spend all of our health to get as much money as we can. And then we spend all of that money to get all the health that we lost back. So it's this really weird thing where it's, you know, it seems counterproductive. Did you pick up that quote yourself? That was hella profound. Yeah, that was really powerful. Yeah. No. Did you like read that in a book? <laughs> no, my like, dad my dad told me it. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. Ted yeah. is incredibly insightful. Yeah. That was this is really wonderful. I've said it a lot, yeah. That's what he tells me if I don't go for walks or go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, damn. To bounce off of what you said, I feel like uh people I feel like People need to talk about, it, but that's kind of like it. It's kind of hard to find that balance for the most part because that's kind of like a risk people take on, you know, with streaming. Is because when you go full time streaming, it's like you become whatever you make. You know what I mean? So it's like the amount of work you put in, or however you structure, or however successful your stream becomes, be you know that that decides how much you'll make or it, whether it'll be able to continue to be a livelihood. So I feel like a lot of people just kind of tunnel vision and they forget the whole taking care of themselves part because in a sense they are kind of taking care of well their self because they're trying to make money to live <laughs> or make a livelihood but it is it, it, it kind of at at the same time it just it both 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 sides kind of like it's like a big conflict because it's kind of like okay am i going to go hard try to get more viewers and try to get more money and try to you know try to put more hours in and not really take care of myself, but then I'll have more money to take care of myself and handle bills. I won't stress about that. Or do I take some time off and do so? It's a big conflict between those two things. And I feel like biggest, I feel like biggest streamers, they kind of talk about it, but they don't really talk about it in depth like, like that. You know, I feel like they kind of 
Breeze, but it's kind of like, oh, you know, yeah, this is, it affects my mental health or, or, or you always see where people, they get to a point where they're really successful and they don't have to worry about that anymore. And then they just shift. It's like a shift where you see a lot of people like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore because it destroyed my mental health. You know, because they kind of like destroyed their health on the road then. And when they got to, I guess, their final destination, it's like they switch up or, you know, but I feel like it's important to take care of yourself as you're on that road. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's not talked enough or much un- unless it's like at two is like at, it's only talked about much at the two extremes. In between, it's not really talked about as much. So people don't really think about that as much when they're, when they're trying to get to those goals, if that makes sense. Huh? But. Yeah, I think we we live in a time where people like Gary Vee are, are are so well idolized but so misunderstood. And to that effect, it's it's just kind of the go 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 mentality, and it's really hard to shake that. Like you can be mindful enough to understand that if you continue to go nonstop, that you'll fall apart and and then you lose it anyways. But that's hard to say when, when you see other content creators putting in more hours and you go, well, like maybe just another few hours really hard in business where you go, well, you know, look at all of the, you know, the business are picking up. Like I should, I, I need to keep going too. Um, there's an infinite amount of things that you can do. And, and those things tend to eat away at us until uh, we, we, we burn out just from that fatigue of, of all of the things that we are trying to hold ourselves accountable for. Uh, to begin with. And one of the hardest things that I've even had is, is trying to answer that question um, because I have to deal with, with that too. You know, I, I either go to bed and this person who just filled out an intake that is not feeling well, is maybe even suicidal, um, has to wait. Uh, or I work with that person now and then I miss the one in the morning that comes up. Uh, or I'm too exhausted to, to do the next one. Or I could just kind of stay up the whole time and, and just keep doing it. That that makes it a lot harder. Uh, I remember um, in, in kind of the earlier days of Twitch when when content creators were really fighting for that like thousand plus concurrent viewership, not at the double digit thousands yet. Uh, I had this this larger content creator reach out to us, uh, and he had had said something to the effect of, "I don't know what to do. If I don't go live, I lose the viewers." They go to somebody else, I lose the subs, and then I lose everything. The car, the apartment, the everything. Um, but if I go live and keep pretending like I have the energy to do this, I'm gonna kill myself. And and, and where, where do you give them the answer there? Because to some degree, the reality of that career facilitates that. This is actually, so I saw some clips on um, a Reddit regarding what, uh, Byron was asking or said should be implemented. And this is, I think, how you fix it. I don't think it's something that we can do individually. I think it's something that if we ever get to a point where we need to take mental illness seriously or even normal people getting pushed into situations where they have a, you know, induced acute episode, I think the only way to really solve this is by like setting stream days. If Twitch came out and said, all right, you can only stream five days a week, choose those five days, the other two days, you have to be off. And this applies to everyone, no matter where they live. This is a Twitch rule. I think that is so, so smart. Like when I heard it, when I saw that clip, it's genius because none of us, we, we know what the repercussions of taking a day off. I mean, even me, when I know I need one, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to come back the next day. 
that that day that I went live, I, you know, I could have worked for that 600 sub reset that's going to happen that day, but now I'm going to be back. To, you know, like it's just like there's so many numbers you miss out on, not to mention the ripple effect of that day you miss as far as clicks and exposure and stuff like that, right? Obviously, the community stuff matters. You know, I love going on for the boys, but then in the day, like that growth, you're missing out on a lot of it. So if there was like a, if there was a forced day off or two days off that is like man or uh, implemented by Twitch, I, th I think that's the solution. In my opinion, I had um, I think a. I don't really agree with that actually because that just makes creators want to work on their other platforms on those. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think doesn't help your mental sanity at all. There's a there's a there's a pretty large F five hundred. I was talking to an executive there. Um, I, I I don't think they wanted me to name it. This is why I'm being kind of like dumb and vague about it. But um, they found that if they didn't give their like if they just told their employees like hey you need to take more believe it or not in like a lot of tech companies um taking vacation time like is like really hard like getting people to actually take vacation time because we're so connected with our devices now and everything that like we just get notifications for work we have to do and like uh we're on slack all the time so it just feels like you're working even if you're technically on vacation and then with covid there's all this stuff going on so like you just you never you always feel like you're at work so they actually found that if they that they told everyone that they had to take some time off that was the only way they would actually get them to really take time off. I'm not necessarily supporting the point, but something interesting to think about, right? I think one of the problems is, is that as we like kind of grow up and we go through all of our different stages of life, um, like we're never really taught how to manage our work life. Like generally everything is usually capped for us. So for instance, there's only so many hours you can spend in school. There's only so many hours you can spend at work before they have to pay you overtime. Um, so generally like 95% of the population doesn't really have to think about managing like a work-life balance. Um, this is a really common problem with small business owners though, is that when you become like self-employed and you run a small business, like every part of your business can creep to fill literally every single hour of the day. You've never really learned to say like, okay, now I need to stop working if you have stuff to work on, because generally that's like a boss telling you time to go home. Like I'm not going to pay you overtime, like get the fuck out. Um, so like if you want to be somebody that is capable of knowing when you have to stop working, like it requires some deliberate setting aside of time for you to figure out like, what are my financial goals? You know, what is my goal with my content? And then how many hours do I need to allot to meet that goal? You know, like a lot of people, um, a lot of people use, I don't want to say use this excuse, but a lot of people say the thing where they're like, oh no, like I'm worried that everything's going to end tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. I don't actually think that's why people stream infinite hours of the day. I think people just do it because they can and because yeah. you're not really used mm -hmm. to saying like, oh, okay, well, I've done six hours today. I should probably stop. I've done eight hours today. I should probably stop. Um, I, I think so we don't really learn that skill of how to balance out work and life. Yeah, you're right. I have a big yeah. issue with that. And also, I think like most streamers know intuitively that broadcasting that long, just coming from a stats points perspective, isn't even that beneficial. When you look at the hours broadcast, you start getting diminishing returns after six hours broadcasted, unless you go all the way to 24 and then it resets because your audience picks back up again. So there isn't even a benefit to streaming that long. I think it's just literally out of, I mean, sheer Lack Love. of not knowing what else to yeah, do. Yeah, because you can do it. It's easy well, to yeah, just sit no, of your and, camera and, for 12 hours. And, and most broadcasters, they know intuitively that it's uh, like, well, if I did YouTube, it would be more effective. If I did yeah. other things for my ROI, it'd be more effective, et cetera. I feel like at that point, for me at least, speaking personally, and XQC can uh, tell, about, tell us about his, his experience since he probably streams the most out of all of us. And, and Amaran. Well, I'm confused. I'm confused. Yeah. What do you lose by doing more? Well, um, well so mental a, health or other projects you could be working on. So you are like a weird robot creature who somehow can stream like 250 hours and have basically no side effects from it. And I've never completely understood. It's 350. It's not 250. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like some insane. Okay. It's, it can't be 350, right? It is like, 350. Trust me. It's three. It's, it's three. Oh, no, uh, I wasn't trying but to like, I just wanted to be immediately like uh, walk me through it. Walk me through like um, what are like 286. Uh, 286. Oh, wow. 300. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still, we're talking, you're right, Trey. We're talking about an incredible amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I think crazy. XQC, the idea is that if somebody is putting that many hours in, there's like a certain amount, there's a certain scale, like a certain like exponential scale that like goes up with uh, mental stress, dealing with toxic people, like community, like things like that. Right. Like what? It, what so yeah. Yeah, so what we're kind of getting at is there's a concept called like marginal return, right? Um, So the easiest way to express this is with money. If I give $1,000 to somebody that has $1,000, that's a lot of money to them. You're doubling their money. If I give $1,000 to somebody that has $100,000, I mean, like, it's nice, but it's like, okay. If I give $1,000 to somebody with a million dollars, that's just, they don't even notice it, right? There's like, the more that you do of the same thing, the less that thing kind of matters. So like, for instance, if we look at you, if you put um 300 hours a month on average into streaming, right? That's about 10 hours a day. If you were to cut out two hours a day, three days a week, right? That would be um maybe like 36 hours a month off of streaming. That probably wouldn't impact your stream too much, but you could get shredded in that time or like become a virtuoso like instrumental player, right? You could play like a guitar, learn some crazy skill, right? And that those 36 hours spent on any other skill would probably be dramatically more like fruitful to your life than just streaming for 36 more hours, right? You're already doing 270. Do you really need to do 36 hours more? If you did it towards any other skill, you could go from zero to a, an amazing level in it rather than just putting 30 more hours in a stream. We like can even use this exact same example with streaming. So if you took 30 hours off that 286 and you focused exclusively on YouTube, your brand would be bigger, objectively, I, right? I, I, I have, I, I, the way I feel about this is, um, I feel like that's the concept you can apply like in a lot of scenarios, but I feel like you have to be like ridiculously disciplined to pull that that strategy off, it's kind of like when people say, "Oh, dude, if you want, you can sh- you can sleep like three times a day, right?" I'm like that schedule. That schedule is so hard to keep up that it's hard to actually make it like fruitful or whatever. Yeah, you're talking about the Uberman, the polyphasic sleeping. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it does require a lot of discipline. And one of the, um, one of the funny things about streamers is that people assume that if you put in a lot of hours towards streaming, that means you have a lot of discipline. When in reality, it's actually just really easy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> when you're like, you, oh, like, if you can stream, yeah, if you can stream for straight hours, of course you can do something else. Like, well, no, fuck. Actually, maintaining a schedule on anything else is actually really fucking hard. Like, I don't stream a lot because I have ultra discipline. I just do it because it's really fucking easy and it's enjoyable for me to do it. So yeah, it, it does require a lot of discipline to do it. But like, you must under, you, of course, I think you would agree that like, if you could schedule, 30 hours a month to do anything else but streaming whatever that 30 hours was if you did it it would be so much better for your life and everything in general yeah like if you vlog or something and you upload youtube or you know yeah sure youtube or even like some health related thing or just like yeah learned a hobby went to school did go to the gym like literally any other fucking thing learn to cook whatever yeah yeah xqc's point is totally true it's super super hard to like get the discipline to do that like i feel like um, one of the people that I actually really look up to in this way, and I say there's like a lot of different like mysteries of the universe, like the Riddle Sphinx and like fucking the eighth wonder of the world and how Amaranth produces all the fucking content she does. Like, I, I don't understand how you have two active Twitters, two active YouTubes, uh, an Instagram that you update all the time, a TikTok that's active, your Twitch stream where you stream 400 hours a month. And like, I just, I, I just have no idea how you do it, but that's like a really good example of a very rare like person that diversifies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I feel like it's, it's so hard. Oh, I'm sorry. I feel like it is is because that like 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 they said earlier, the discipline isn't really taught. It's kind of like if you think about like if any of you guys, whoever went to college, like when you went from high school to college, like you know, with high school, it was like you had your schedule, you stuck to the schedule, and you did that. But then when you go to college, 
first day of school, they give you the syllabus, which is literally everything you'll be doing throughout the whole course. So you can get it done early or not. You can get it done, you know, whatever they have. They have their due dates, but you can get You're it done it the day before. Yeah, but you do it at the That's day right. before. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, it's shit. An hour before. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Four hundred hours. What the fuck? And then what's up? And then that was saying four hundred hours. Like I don't think I stream that much a month. Well, do you read um, now? You, you, because I, I was counting your sleeping streams. You do. Oh, um, okay, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> so your, your last your, your last thirty days, you had three hundred and sixty eight hours stream. So I was pretty close. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I think I think it's also because the structure of like how everything we do throughout life, from the school system to work to everything, is like streaming is still relatively new. You can kind of say and. A lot of people haven't been taught how to like self-employed or be run or run their own businesses. You're like when you're going through school, you're basically learning to get a job. And when you get that job, that job has a structure already. So you don't have mm -hmm. to think about that. But when right. you start streaming, there's no structure. You make all the structure up. But if you ne if you've never been taught that and you've always been just forced to stick to whatever time it was throughout your day, now it's like you make it up. So it's like, okay, what do I do? Um uh, yeah, do I put more hours in? Do I sleep more? Do, so it's kind of hard for people to really figure out how to navigate that. So some people can easily get stuck into, oh, yeah, I'll just stream 10, 12 hours a day. And then some people are like, okay, I'll do two hours and not stream three days. And, and so it's like, it, it's really hard for people to really get that because we're never taught to really like run your own. You're never really taught to run your own business. So everyone's literally learning as they as they go. Yeah. yeah, and Twitch does absolutely no education to help us understand yeah, how true. to do these things. Yeah. <laughs> well, not to mention, as soon as you, so like, it's, it's very easy to, uh, like, on a practical level, I guess, say, okay, well, if you took two hours a day, you know, three times a week, you know, out of streaming and put it into the gym, you know, it's better for you. It's easier. The problem is the things you don't account for are in those moment feelings and moods that ripple away from the gym three times a week, two hours a day, or whatever the case might be, right? So, for someone that talks the entire stream, right? Maybe for a gameplay uh -huh. streamer, possible this could be it. But for someone that talks all the time and needs like a certain energy behind their voice and a certain uh, uh, character and charisma, I feel like back like back when I was going to the gym six days a week, I was only streaming between three and six hours a day. Like I could not, I couldn't. I was literally yawning. Yeah. I was I was dead. I was beat by the time you know hour five and a half hour hour five came. So it's like these things are good, but there's a ripple effect and that'll further uh, reduce the hours as well. So it's not only two hours being removed from the there, gym. Now you're going to remove other hours. Does there that is that like kind of ripple effect. But like this is why like, I, I, you know, people use the word motivational. I think it's a really shitty word. Like mm -hmm. I don't think being motivated to do things is the important thing. I think it's doing things where you're not motivated. Um, and, and like for if you went to the gym six days a week, Agreed. right? Yep. I know you've had this feeling before. 100%. Okay. And this is this is discipline. Okay. I know what you're going to say. Yep. There, yeah. Maybe you do. There are the days I that you don't want to go to the gym. Yep. Nobody ever goes to the gym on a day that they didn't want to go and then comes out thinking, fuck, I really shouldn't have went to the gym today. That's you exactly always right. are like, fuck, I'm glad yep. I went. Even if that it was a shitty lift session, yep. Yep. even if you don't even do what, even if you can't lift much, you know, yeah, you always walk out of there. That's right. Being like, fuck it, dude. It's whatever. It sucked going in, but I'm yep. glad I got there and I fucking did it. Yeah. So we I think literally brought this up yesterday in the advice stream, you know, just doing it motive. Yeah. That, that's on yeah. point. 100% accurate. Yes. You know what? I, you know, I was given a piece of advice once by, by like a business mentor when I was trying to figure out how to balance care and then business and, 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 you know, look, I want to help all of these people, but also you need to raise money and, and do things like this. 
And one of the things that they had told me straight out and they said, like, I don't know if this is clinically sound, but motivation is a luxury. Mm. You just need to do mm. it. That's the same thing. I've mm-hmm. And that really, really stuck with me. Those days that you wake up, I, I, I think there was a, a quote too from, uh, it's, it's a stoic quote. De- Devin, you might know where this, who this uh, originates from. Mm-hmm. Um, it was to the effect of like I, I I'm not alive to to sleep or to rest. Like I, I live to do. I think it was as Lucius Seneca. Yeah, it's um it's in the letters of the Stoic, right? Uh, the yeah. uh, the books that he sent to. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't remember what like which letter, but I remember reading that. It's hard to balance with mental health, and and I think that's at the core of that conversation. Is so let's let's run that game. Okay, so motivation is luxury. The more I stream, the, the, the more money I could make, but wait, there's a cap, but also what if I spent more time doing these or, or these or, or that? Um, and, and then that kind of harsh reality that everybody is so different that even if somebody tried to make some kind of rule or somebody tried to do some educational course on like how you should be a broadcaster, how you should be an entrepreneur, they'd still be wrong um, because ultimately you're going to find where your limits are. Um, I think the real training is is how to identify that limit and, and to be responsive to that limit. Um, because you could be a, a 300 hour a month broadcaster and still be cool. You could be a 100 hour a month broadcaster and, and be at breaking point. And both of you could keep going. Uh, it, it's really the person who identifies that breaking point that's actually going to remain viable. Uh, the other person is is just not going to make it. I think what sells us this idea that we need to have motivation to do something. And if we don't have motivation, then it's not for us. And I talked to this a little bit yesterday and I think it's actually like really uh, impactful or it's, 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 it's a very negative thing. Like it perpetuates this very terrible thing that, you know, uh, gets people to like bail out of, you know, make excuses for themselves. And it's this thing that we're sold. I, I don't know if it's sold because we're in this capitalist society and, you know, the, the CEOs of companies want to sell the idea to put you in this situation where you're just a rat in the cogwheel of things. I don't, I don't know what the psychology is behind it, but this, this idea where you're sold, you know, the American dream, if you find what you love, you don't have to work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. When you're sold this from birth, you know, or, or from the moment you're, you know, in school all the way up, people get this idea in college where when you start a major, if one of the classes bores you, then this major is not for you or this thing is not for you. Listen, there is no, there is no loving your job every day. There is no, your job isn't a job if you love it. This stuff is like, if there is any truth to it, it is drastic. It is just taken out of context and it, it, it's been applied incorrectly. It's, it's not the case. Like when this is sold to you, it's such, it's such a bad effect on people and it causes them to make like rash decisions and impulsive decisions that lead them to nowhere. Right. They'll, they'll be six oh, years in college and they still haven't decided what major they want because of this feeling. You're always going to run into a class you don't like. You're going to run into a class that you have no interest in. You're going to run into a class you're bored in. So this idea where you're supposed to have motivation if you truly love what, uh, what you're doing is, I think it's unrealistic. Yeah. There's always something to every job, even if you love it, that you're not yeah. going to like. And the only people who get to be rid of those are the ones who are so successful that they have enough money to hire the people to do the bitch work they don't want to do and just get to do what they like about the job. And they Even st- then, you have a bunch of other problems you got to deal with because then you got to start dealing with like human resources and shit and like mm-hmm. people complaining and all kinds of CS. Yes, it never, it never really ends. Is the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's something you can relate it to. It's kind of like why the divorce rate is fifty percent because people think you know when they get married, it's going to be all peaches and cream and 
everything's going to be amazing every day. And then people realize like, oh, this is some freaking work. And then they're like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm out. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, but like, I, I, I've kind of been going through that myself, like motivation, uh, just trying to like teach. That's why I haven't even been really around much, but just kind of like trying to teach myself to really just or, or get my, my mind, get in the mindset of just doing what I need to do. Like one thing, you know, as far as like working out, cause I mean, I've, for the past two years, like I'll work out for two years, two months, you know, cause the motivation is high and everything. Then the motivation is going and then it's like, you miss one day and then it's over with. Mm-hmm. And then, um, now I've been kind of like just getting, trying to get myself to the place where it's like, I'm doing what I need to do. It's not, it's not because I'm motivated or, you know, it, it, it's, of course there's reasons why, cause it's like, okay, of course it's going to be better for my health. I'll be in better shape. I'll be able, you know, I feel better and everything. And I've just been doing that with like all different aspects of my life. though, just trying to do what I need to do and not relying on that motivation or relying on, you know, of course the motivation is still there and it's like amazing, but it's like not relying on that or always hawking on that to like, you know, do what I have to do. Just really just doing it. I, I think you know, I have a take on uh, on all that. I feel like I've been listening to you guys talk and, and, and ramble. Uh, um, for enough, I, I don't want to make it negative. It's not rambling. It's just um, this whole discussion. I, I feel like I, I still feel and see like shooting like as like a hobby. So I guess I'm to it. Like uh, if you, I, I just feel like sometimes it's kind of like if you're not motivated to do it, don't do it. If you don't want to compete, don't compete. And if you don't want to fucking put in the hours and, and compete with with the, the highest, don't do it. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think that mandatory day off is just kind of silly to take that away from the creators that's just saying you can't trust them to not make their own decisions. I don't think that's really a solution to much. It's just I think in general, I think in general, a lot of people don't realize this. Um, but I think in general, I don't think we trust people to make a lot of decisions. Um, a, a lot of people take it for granted that they'll do the right thing. But that's only after like, over a decade of programming, whether it's from school or whether it's from parents. Like, I think if you put people in, in certain environments, I think they'll just make shitty decisions. And sometimes it kind of has to be like, if not forced on somebody, like pretty heavily, like encouraged to like, maybe it's a good idea to do this thing. I guess like banning somebody from streaming like seven days a week is probably not a good idea. But I think sometimes it's good to have like, hey, like maybe this isn't necessarily good for you to do this. Yeah, like an encouragement as opposed to something that's like strictly enforced or something I think could mm-hmm. be beneficial. Sure. I think I think I, th- I think just increasing the awareness would be like uh, that. I feel like it should go to that that extent. Just increasing the awareness, maybe putting stuff out like you know maybe this. If mm-hmm. you could, you know, just having people aware of it instead of kind of like forcing them to do it. Yo, dude, dude, well, dude, let alone days off. Dude, you guys are talking about a day off a week. Did it? Think of, think about this. Honestly, I think it's a miracle that nobody has fucking died from these long streams. We'll do whenever they get dropped on their channels. Like the Tarkov drops. These happen. You get like 36 hours stream Andes, 24. Wait, somebody, like, well, at least one person it's has. It's a miracle. Nobody has fucking yet. died in one of those. I, I think somebody did, right? Wasn't there a Japanese guy that literally gamed himself to death? And then I think it happened with WoW a long time ago, too. It's really, really rare. Like, heard why it streaming it, though? Like, you know, let's, excuse me, saying no one on Twitch like fell over after 48 hours of playing Tarkov. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought no, it was a Japanese I thought it was a Yeah, from like a drop stream, like an, an incentive to go really fucking hardcore, you know? Well, I think one of the things that's, that is, is going to be harder to see is we're probably not going to see somebody drop, you know, after a 36 hour stream. What we're probably going to see more likely, uh, is how stress really destroys the physical body over time and how some content creators, um, y- you know, long after the, the Twitch career or, or maybe Twitch continues for, you know, an indefinite amount of time, but in their forties, in their fifties are, are going to start to fall apart. 
um, mm. physically. Like we, we see how the body responds to stress. We see how the immune system responds to stress. So yeah, if this isn't something like you really love and, and, and really every day is a lot of hardship and a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, then, then yeah, uh, eventually it'll get to you. Probably not, you know, while you're doing a live stream, but probably more when you, you know, have your own family and you're retired. And although other people are, you know, living, you know, it seems like forever these days, you, you may not be one of them. Uh, so that's a little <laughs> grim, but um, kind of harsh reality of, of, of stress. On, on the plus side, though, in, in a more positive thing, when we're talking about motion, um, I've just kind of like slowly been keeping tabs as we get new intakes. And, and we've hit nearly 100 people that have started to enroll in our therapist finder program. So like just from watching the stream, a lot of people are just now tonight? choosing to get help. Yeah. Within wow. like the past like two hours, actually, that another one literally just so, comes in. So just real quick, just to give a little bit of like background on that. So what Jason is saying, so for people that are just joining us or um, have been watching for a while, what are what RAD is, is it is a charity that gets gamers in touch with mental health therapists. And there are people who can't afford that. And RAD will afford the cost for you to get in front of that therapist. And they've done that so far for over 36,000 people. And so what Jason is saying right now is that just as a result of the stream, over 100 people have decided they need help and have contacted um, Rise Against the Disorder. It's pretty exciting to yeah. see, um, especially. And. Oh, yeah. And we just it. passed 10K. Yeah. Let's go. Wow. Nice. Mm -hmm. So go. thank you, guys. Um, huge thank donation you, from Spaced Out um, for $500 and Noob Master 69 for <laughs> it's a hell of a name for uh, $690. <laughs> Much appreciated. Much appreciated. Yeah, it's it's exciting to see that. I, I think as much as we're talking about motivation in the context of broadcasting, like motivation to get through depression, motivation to get through anxiety. I mean, that's that's kind of a, a pretty serious nightmare. You know, how do you motivate yourself? Like, it, like that's I, I see it from time to time. People will will reach out to us. We'll we'll reach back out. We'll get started, um, and they'll say something the long, along the lines of like. Yeah, you know, I I don't know if I'm I'm ready, but like when I feel like I'm ready, that's when I'll, I'll reach back out and kind of always push back to them. Like, you know, if you just wait your whole life to feel like it's time to do anything, when is it ever going to get done? You, you know, in in depression, just by the nature of depression, that motivation already escapes you. Um, same thing you might see with anxiety. If if you have anxiety there's a level of anxiety that's going to prevent you from doing the things that you need to do or feel like you need to do when anxiety relates to confronting that anxiety. So there's really not going to be high levels of motivation. I mean, maybe that like two, three in the morning epiphany that, that you hold on to, and then you fill out the application and then you go to sleep and you wake up and you just kind of continue to not address things. But, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a you know a major factor that kind of removing that understanding that motivation is necessary for you to get better it's not the reality is that you know if you can mechanically push yourself through that process we can mechanically help you through that process and eventually you find motivation um, but you're starting to find recovery along that way can you speak a little bit to your um, hospital your clinic yeah, so that that's kind of um, a, a relatively new thing. 
when I first kind of introduced this idea of, of like a universal mental health care system, um, there was always this vision that it would have to exist within some space that, you know, rather than paying for people's treatment by sending checks to therapists all around the world, um, instead we'd actually be able to practice it in the way that we would want to. And that was more like a pipe dream for a, a really, really long time. But it's, it's only in like the past year or so that that started to become a reality due to just some very, very chance connections with, with people. Um, so it seems very, very likely that within the next year or two, um, we'll pretty much move everything that we're doing to Atlanta, uh, where we'll have a, 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 an incredibly large space to have people fly in and, and actually get treatments without any kind of cost association, just almost like a St. Jude, but for mental health care. Someday. <laughs> Love it. I, I'm, I'm actually really curious about what, what Destiny's questions he has lined up are. Um, I, I tend to, to always watch Destiny's very like inquisitive and, and very in-depth conversation. So I'm, I'm curious to see what you have been thinking about. Oh, it's, it's just like, there's just like a bunch of stuff. Um, I feel like mental health exists in this like separate category that doesn't get much attention. We generally, we talk about some behaviors that I feel aren't really, um, it might sound like a hot take, but like, I don't think bullying is like much related to like big things when we talk about like depression or bipolar or borderline or whatever. Like, I think I, it's important to talk about it. Um, but I get like, um, I don't know if anyone out here has done it and I'm not trying, if anybody said any of this, I'm not trying to like be mean or whatever. But like when people, for instance, like when somebody like Byron kills himself and everybody's like, oh, we need to talk about bullying on the internet. And it's like, I don't think bullying had much to do with that. Like these are very, 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 very different issues. And sometimes I get irritated when like mental health gets lumped in with like literally everything. It's kind of dumb, I think. I, um, or, or, or annoying, I guess. Yeah. I think. Before uh, uh, Jason gives his perspective and uh, mm -hmm. shares his knowledge, I think it's not necessarily that it's how the bullying is processed, right? So the way someone, in my opinion, right, or for me with bipolar, like the way it's processed is completely different and the way it's handled is completely different from someone without it. So it's not necessarily the bullying itself. It's how you process it and take it. Now, we have to go and like distinguish what we mean by bullying, right? Because there's like a surface level and then there was like actual damaging shit, right? So like we have to like come to a, you know, a, a middle ground for what we call bullying. But if, if we're just going with like the basic terminology, I, I think it's how, how it's handled and processed and how it's moved on or whether it's obsessed over and the person begins to see himself in the way that people are representing him. Right. So, yeah, no, I understand that. I just like, so like, for instance, like, I'm just going by just like so common I see in chat. And I think a lot of people feel this. Um, a lot of, so this is pretty ignorant from Destiny. A lot of people suffer from poor mental health due to bit bullying. Like, for people that don't deal with like mental health related issues, I think a lot of people believe that, that like depression is caused by bullying or that bullying causes people to become bipolar or borderline. And I think that it gives like a very skewed view of where a lot of these mental health problems come from. And then yeah, more right. importantly, in terms of like how to treat them. Like, when, when it comes to like helping friends that have like depression, depression or whatever it's not really enough or it doesn't do much to like get people to not bully them like it requires like way more proactive approaches to helping yeah. these people um in terms of like being there as a friend helping them get like treatment or something and that like um like just stopping bullying is like i'm not again i'm trying to be really clear i'm not saying that it's oh, bad to not get people to bully or that bullying yeah. is like a good thing or whatever yeah i think bullying so, is horrible when you get that but yeah so, I, the, those conversations getting mixed like really yeah. triggers me. so earlier in the podcast actually I, br I brought that up i brought up uh like depression and or or you know Emotions that share, that are shared with mental disorders that, that you would have 
as a symptom of mental disorders and then emotions uh-huh. you would have from like a cause and effect or situational uh, experience. And I brought that up and we talked to Dr. K about it, about let's say your dog dies or someone bullies you and you feel something from that effect, but you know, that can be cured. Whereas the mental illness, there is no, you know, it's not being caused by the bullying. There's an actual chemical imbalance that is there. It's manifested. Like for example, for bipolar, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm not sure for me, it manifested, I think end of 16, close to 17. And this is something that to my understanding, from my experiences with people I've, with the psychiatrist and psychologist I've been to, it's something that, that was created from like a fucked up experience. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's, if mental disorders can be created, I'm sure that I'm sure some can. I'm not sure if bipolar can, but I don't know. I'm not going to go to assume any of that. But yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. You're saying like people think that like right now, if I bully the shit out of a depth for the next year, she's going to develop bipolar. I don't think that's true. Jason, can you comment on that? Sure, sure. So there's there's a couple of things that are being talked about. There there's brain disorders. Um, as we do that, that that sounds very scary, but that is typically where we see something like bipolar, uh, where where we classify that versus something like depression. Could you cause her to have a bipolar disorder? Um, maybe through some kind of traumatic brain injury that that's possible through through bullying. That's tougher to say. I, I think I, I, I definitely can agree with, with Destiny's point that there's there's a lot of difference between what we're talking about to to what level bullying could have influenced uh, what what eventually happened versus a severe mental health issue underlying all of that. The problem that we run into and, and why bullying ends up getting taken so seriously is because we just don't know to what degree we're ever playing with that uh, in in terms of anybody's individual mental health. Um, One of the best ways to see how bullying could, in theory, develop into something. Um, So let's say you you have a a child. Um, This child grows up in a home where there's not a lot of money. The mother's trying really, really hard, works two jobs. Uh, One day they they give them this pair of shoes. It's, It's actually a pair of cleats, like baseball cleats, but that that's what they could find and and that's what they can afford so this kid goes to school wearing these cleats um not a problem till they go out on the playground and then suddenly um people are like like what are you wearing like those shoes you know people start making fun of those shoes and initially that feels really uncomfortable they're still very young they're still developing emotions they're still learning how to respond to things they're still understanding they're socializing they're they're learning how to socialize and that was a really bad experience. So, you know, they get in the car and, you know, they kind of don't say anything. They leave the situation, they go to school and the next day it happens again. Now things start to change. Um, so this child, you know, talks to mom, says, mom, you know, everybody makes fun of my shoes. Like I need new shoes. Mom says, well, you're just going to have to make do with what we have. That's what we can afford. You know, don't, don't listen to them. Don't worry about them. They don't know. So that next day, um, this child with these shoes doesn't go to recess, stays in class, finds some other way to avoid it, some finds things to do. Now, it, to some degree, the brain has rewarded that. You, you have avoided the danger, right? Like you've not experienced the uncomfortable thing. So they continue to do that. And then as they're leaving school to get picked up by their mom, they notice that some of the kids that made fun of them before are also getting picked up so they wait they avoid those people and once they're gone then they go and get in the car 
What we're seeing is a series of, of avoidance pattern behaviors, as we call them. And the brain is rewarding each and every point of this avoidance because it's self-preserving. That can ultimately develop pretty far along the lines. Now we fast forward um, 19, 20 years old, and this person isn't socializing. They're not making a whole lot of friends throughout school and, and haven't. Uh, and they go into college and they just feel like they don't fit in and they drop out. It, it, it happens. Now, in none of this process has this individual learned that what, they, what they've experienced in this bullying could be some kind of trauma or could be just social anxiety that's developed as a byproduct of that trauma. All they've learned is that from a young age, people can be really dangerous and uncomfortable and they've naturally learned to avoid that. And at no point in that process were they taught how to address that situation, how to adapt to that situation. So they organically figured it out, uh, a maladaptive behavior, as we call it. And, and that is, is where we might see bullying as an issue. For an adult, we might be challenging somebody's capacity to emotionally handle things. If, if you imagine people as like, a cup and stresses water. They might have lots of things in their life that fill that cup mostly to the top. And, and yeah, a kill yourself being spammed in chat, drops of water, a, you know, just getting flamed on Twitter, uh, um, a live stream fails post about you more and more and more. And if they've never really dealt with any of these layers, these deposits of water, if they've never learned how to bring some of that down, anything could push them. Um, and ultimately, there was a lot there that led to that overflow. And, and that's what tends to make bullying kind of dangerous. You factor that into the reality that this social anxiety example, uh, at least from the research experience, somebody with social anxiety waits almost 20 years to get mental health care, uh, see a mental health professional, but they don't do it because of the social anxiety. They do it because they didn't get married. They do it because they don't have the job they want. They do it because they don't have any friends. They do it as the byproduct of what is their normal life that they don't see as abnormal. They simply, that's how they've always lived it. To bully those people can be problematic. Is it the cause? No. Uh, un unfortunately, I think the, the really harsh reality is, is so much of the cause happens at a time where someone is defenseless, happens at a time where somebody's learning how to be a human. Um, and the, the failures of our society are ultimately what's to blame for this fully functional adult many years later, not being able to cope with so many things. Again, that doesn't specifically right. apply to something that is a brain disorder, like bipolar disorder, but certainly to things like depression and anxiety. Right kind of how I view it. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is like, if you're, if you're unstable as a person at the center, say like you're like a house of cards versus a house of Legos and the chat is someone blowing. It's like, if you're already unstable, then you're going to fall. Whereas if you're a stable person and chats being mean, typically you don't suffer as much. It's like, doesn't push you to a certain point. That makes sense. Yeah. No, that's, that's right on the money. And you know, to me, what I, I guess I, I always tie this back in you know, to, to what I'm doing with RAD, I, I think the reality is that so many people are this stack of cards. They are this house of cards. 
and they can identify that and they want to get help. They, they just don't have the access. They don't have the funds. They're on Medicaid and they, and they realize all of the therapists they want to see are in their late 60s and, and don't give a fuck anymore. Like they're just, they accept insurance because they don't care. Or you need the premium insurance, which is costing you a ridiculous amount of money. And it's still not going to cover the cost of therapy completely. And so we just end up with this backed up group of people who, through no fault of their own, have developed a series of maladaptions that we now have to hold them responsible for. And, and, and to be clear, you, you know, what I tend to tell people that come through our, our programs is, look, you may not have deserved anything that happened to you, but you are, whether you like it or not, responsible for dealing with it. Um, and if you don't, we'll just pass that burden down the line over and over and over again. It's, it's almost a necessity that, that we have to address it in, in this time frame. You know, some people will disregard their responsibility. Well, I just won't have kids and, and that's fair. Uh, or I just won't live. Um, and, and that's an unfortunate thing to see. Um, but the work that we do on our own selves has such a huge impact and you don't have to see yourself as a role model to take that responsibility on yourself. You just can want a better life. You could just simply do it because it needs to be done or you could do it to help other people. It's, it's really up to you. That's well said. Thank you. So as a last topic, by the way, guys, huge shout out to everyone. $10,761 raised. Boys, we are $9,239 away from $20,000. Absolutely crazy. Any oil princes? Thank you, guys. Huge, huge love, <laughs> huge support. Um, let's get one more topic in here. I think me and uh, uh, Moist actually had a topic, but uh, Dr. K didn't have time to uh, elaborate on it. He wanted to make one last rant, then he had to go to bed. He has to wake up in like four. He had to wake up in four hours because you know, his kids are going to wake up. Moist, what were we talking? I think we're talking about people don't know the time and place of when to banter, when not to banter, uh, what's too far, what's not. Let's talk about that. About, yeah. yeah, and then let's wrap I, up. I basically believe that the internet is creating kids, making them losers, manufacturing socially inept homunculus, basically. <laughs> people are growing up, growing up without having like real life experience because they can get it all online. You can simulate a friendship with your Twitch streamer. You can idolize them. You can feel like you're getting your day's worth of socialization yeah. by talking to your streamer through a Facts. chat. Yeah. And these people, and it's not their fault. I'm not blaming them at all. They're just growing up as that's the norm. Like, this is how socialization works, where, you know, they're missing out on social cues. Like, you know, maybe now's not the right time to make this kind of joke. Maybe it's a little inappropriate. Maybe it's not going to come across the right way. Facts. I just think... Yeah. Uh, I just feel bad in that kind of situation for people like that. Cause like I said, I don't think it's their fault, but there's not much you can really do about it. People are always going to treat like a Twitch streamer with some kind of parasocial relationship. They're going to think that they're, you know, best friends because they talk in the chat sometimes. And then they're not going to grow up understanding how actual like social conversations happen, or at least they might not to the full extent. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. 100% to every yeah. T. And I, and I think what you said about, Believing that these relationships are like equivalent to like actual ones and taking off their experience from the online ones and applying it to try and like come to a conclusion. That's so on point. I think a lot of people and I've, I've dealt with this a lot and I could tell this is what they're doing. Like, for example, I think, I think what I see a lot and it's actually the only thing that actually gets to me. It's like the one thing that leads to most 
of the shit that I can't handle. Like I can handle a lot of shit, believe me. And I get it. I'm not going to, you know, sit here and, you know, play full, you know, a uh, 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 victim on that. Like I definitely, I, I, Hey, listen, I come in hot, you know, I'm aggressive myself. I talk a lot of shit, right? It's definitely justified to get a little shit back, right? Definitely surface level shit, right? That, that, that's what, that, that's what it is. I'm not, you know, I, I take full accountability for that, but the shit that really gets to me and the stuff that I obsess over, it's this, it's what you just talked about. It's people that they're coming, they're fully, they're, they're like assuming a certain truth because they've logically thought about, okay, so this experience can't be that hard to understand. So if I just, let, let me imagine a situation where I'm with this person. So what I'm trying to say is they logically induced the situation in their head and then that experience to which they logically induced in their mind and the events that followed in their mind is exactly the way it should go in their reality. And then they judge you off of the way they acted in their mind. But what they don't understand, there's so many variables missing. Not to mention, how could they fill in certain variables which they've never experienced to even know they exist? And I see this all the time. People come to conclusions on the internet because they logically induce an experience and they believe it's, it's fully reflective of the real thing. But in reality, it's not. And if they actually experienced it, you know, our experiences would be They'd be way more, uh, there's more chance of it being alike than it is opposite. So that's why I fully agree with that. And that's why I brought the initial thing up. Does that make any sense? Or, or yeah, that's that? not like exactly like everything I'm talking about, though. I just mean where people will choose a, a one-sided relationship over getting real-world experience because it's safer. You know, people are content yeah. to get all of that their too. socialization through the internet. And I think that misses out on a lot of key development because a lot of people that watch Twitch are on the younger side. And those people I really think need to be out there talking to other human beings face to face and understanding how yeah. like actual socialization works Agreed. outside of just like tech W's so, in the chat during a joke or something. Something yeah. that I don't know if they're content though, as far as like yeah. content to do it online. It's more of like I don't think they think they either don't think they have the opportunity or they actually don't have the opportunity. Yeah. Like, to socialize. I don't think it's necessarily that they want to have all the interaction only online. And then to add to that, I, I kind of think it, it it also has to do with, like, when they're online, they don't face consequences. Like, everyone, like, I know when I was younger and we were out, you with your friends and you did certain shit, it's like, when you, you usually learn from the consequences. That That's how you usually learn. It's like, through things going well or things going bad. You know, if you bothered your friend too much, and he was like, all right, that's it, bro, you good. And you just kept going. You either got, yeah, that got into a fight, you got snuffed. Or, 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 you know, you, you had to face some type of consequence. You talk shit to someone a certain way, you have to face the consequences. But it's like when, when they're online, they don't have to face those consequences. Mm-hmm. So it, it's much easier for them to just choose that route because they just do, right. you just do whatever the hell you want to do and you don't have to worry about it. Right. When they, when they have too much of those types of interactions where they have no repercussions for anything toxic that they say, I think they start to develop more of like an NPC approach to interacting with others online. They're not thinking about like how it affects the other person or how would I feel in this situation. They're just, they're treating it like they're playing a video game and they're playing GTA and they can just punch whoever they want, steal whoever's car they want and break it and they don't care because they don't see them as another human being who has the same emotion and securities that they have. I think um, one of the things I started thinking about, Dr. K got me thinking about this episode, I'm probably going to put more time into thinking about it, is like the idea that like we really don't have a lot of positive educational communities where people can go online and be like, how do I act? 
Like, and yet we have these like, like, and, and that sounds like really dumb when I said that, right? But like, we actually do have all these places where you can go and learn how to be a total shitter. Like, that's super possible, right? Like, there's the red pill, there's fucking LSF, there's like, there's all these places. So it, it seems like, like, when Dr. K was like, we need to think about building these communities where people can actually learn these positive behaviors. I'm like, holy shit, we don't have any of that. You know, we don't have any of those. I don't, I don't agree that we absolutely do not have any, but I also think it's unreasonable to say that we don't have any because people don't spend the whole 12 hours at their live to doing that. Cause I can tell you right now at the top of my head that, I do, um, you know, give my take on how to approach people. I've seen Destiny give his take on how no, to. No, I don't. I don't mean there's no Twitch communities that do that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. that like the the where evergreen content lives on the internet, generally it becomes a shit show. It's generally like toxic, right? I'm not saying that individual. I'm obviously saying not that like every broadcaster on Twitch like contributes to this narrative. I, I don't believe that. What I'm saying is like generally the places that we go where people can leave comments mm. or be or and behave in certain ways right whether where, in where content lives whether it be like youtube or yeah. reddit or wherever those are generally negative communities we, we don't we don't that comes yeah. down to supply and demand though because the people who want positive stuff they don't have this kind of desire to like have other people fuel their negativity you know they don't need like the affirmation from others necessarily they don't go seeking it so it's not something that does become prevalent it's the people that seek affirmation like they're not the only shitheads like hey other people think this too yeah we can all be toxic together it, like, is, yeah. it, isn't it isn't it possible that positivity works the same way and we just haven't we just haven't trained people to have any kind of use for those communities uh, i mean the way i look at it is like that that's kind of rough because i feel like most of the people that are toxic they just are gonna have to either hit a point just like uh, adam said earlier when she was like she hit a point where she actually upon like she took it upon herself to become a better person it's like, I feel like at this point, the best thing to do is probably work on people that are younger, uh, um, you know, mm -hmm. and, and probably steer them towards to becoming more positive people as they're learning instead of trying to get the people that are already negative to really, you know, have a place to, I guess, go and learn to be positive because the people that are negative, they're going to have to take it upon themselves. They're going to have to actually want to be positive, first of all. And I, I don't feel like a lot of them actually want to. Be. I think they enjoy that negative shit. They just have fun doing that. So I feel like it's probably a, a, a bigger effort to like work on the younger generation that's coming up to be, you know, push them to be more positive instead of negative. And then, you know, the people that are negative, they'll eventually grow up and grow out of that. Yeah. But, yeah. That's kind of what I was saying is like the negative people are the ones looking for an outlet because they have all this angst they yeah. need to release. And that's what the Internet provides. The people who are balanced and positive, they don't need an outlet because they've got their life together and they ha are acknowledged in real life and they have social interactions that are healthy. They don't seek that. So that's part of the issue. Yeah. It's very interesting. I, I think that that kind of plays into another point that you brought up. So we're talking about... Th these kinds of um, these toxic people that are using the online world this is like a an outlet for for some of their stress and then some of that that just toxicity that's flowing there. There there's maybe the curious side that the people who are being socialized online potentially are going through that socialization process because they don't have an alternative, whether it's due to some kind of home 
life situation, whether it's due to growing up in a pandemic or what, whatever reason it could be, you know, an increasing amount of time socializing online, that, that's, those things seem to kind of go in hand. The kinds of people who would spend the most time within those communities would potentially even be the, the kinds of people who most need help, but aren't going to be as interested in the communities that are dedicated to help. Like, I, I don't know if I, like, if, if I'm, I'm, I'm totally there. I, I think there are opportunities to kind of change things, but I do think that there is some acknowledgeable overlap between how the community exists the way it does and why the people who really spend the most amount of time within the communities spend the most amount of time within the communities. I, I think there's there's a lot to explore there, a lot to unpack there. I think um, th this is like more specific to like the red pill community stuff, but I think one thing that's really important is that oftentimes the reason why these communities get so popular online is because they're actually willing to acknowledge some underlying factual description of the world that other people aren't. So for instance, sometimes as a guy, especially if you're a white guy today, sometimes it can kind of feel like everybody's shitting on you. Um, and sometimes you can kind of get this weird feeling where it's like, hold on, wait, why is it okay to say fuck all white people and fuck all men online? But if I make a joke about women, people literally want to crucify me. Like that seems kind of weird. But if you even voice that concern, people will fucking crucify you for it. And you don't have any of these positive, influential, progressive figures that want to talk to guys that feel that way. So instead, these people get fucking annihilated online. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the only communities that exist to absorb these people are like, eh, red pill, pickup artists, mm. Jordan Peterson, um, like these types of people, they're the only ones that are willing to talk to them. So like, right. uh, you know, on one end, like, I mean, like positive messaging is really, really, really important. But I mean, like, if you're not willing to, if you're not willing to understand or give voice to the realities that some people face or acknowledge like, yeah, this can feel pretty weird. Or yeah, maybe right now it does seem kind of shady that this thing exists. Like if you're not even willing to acknowledge that, then you've like completely and totally lost you know, like a huge swath of your audience is never going to listen to anything you have to say. I think that's a really important thing for people to recognize sometimes. I've been trying to talk a lot when we've talked about a lot of the, um, a lot of the sexual assault allegations that come out. Um, society is like really rapey, but it's not just because of guys. Like girls play into that shit a little bit as well. And it's important to like acknowledge that, that like, yeah, like as a guy, you shouldn't be acting like rapey and shitty towards women. But, you know, as a woman, you shouldn't be like pushing towards like borderline rapey shit from guys in order to like get a response out of them, right? Like maybe it's not okay to have a society where the guy is expected to every single time make every single move in every single circumstance and then act surprised when like, wait a second, this guy pushed too far. Now, I'm not saying that any of the stories that have come out are like justifiable on either end. I'm just saying that like sometimes it's good to acknowledge that there is a lot of fucky shit that happens. And if you're not going to voice any of those concerns, well, nobody's going to take you seriously because they see these problems and they live them. And yeah, you have to pay attention to them. I guess it's like a broad thing that I would. Yeah. That was actually powerful. Yeah. That was a lot of truth in there. True. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. That was powerful. And that was, took some balls because, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I feel like. <laughs> Honestly, I'll be real with you. That's like one of those things where I should have just hit end stream right there when it's been like, hey, see you guys next week. Wow. <laughs> I, I think that's it's it's an interesting point to make. I, I think we we do indeed live in a reality where um we kind of are 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 living so vicariously through other people uh and through other things that it, it can be hard to kind of decipher um personal experience and, and to 
you know, really live into that, lean into that personal experience. When, when we have created that kind of culture, um, yeah, there, there are people who are going to call out these very instinctual feelings and, and they're going to lean into them. Um, I think the problem we're often running into, as, as I think you're alluding to with people like Jordan Peters and, and Alex Jones and, and some others, uh, is they try and corrupt that sense. They, they try and corrupt the, the side of you that feels potentially unheard because we don't like to talk about some of those uncomfortable things. And they try and create a community around it. They try and create a community not about talking about the taboo, even though only, it's well, not, not only that, I sorry to interrupt you. I, I just want to add mm-hmm. this in there because I think it's such an important thing. And fortunately, I did have destiny uh, on on the podcast where I had a political debate because I, I learned that this is what they do. People like that, you know, a lot of people question why I, why I don't agree with Jordan Peterson. You know, in the beginning, there's memes and stuff like that, but they use these ins such as the things destiny just brought up, right? And these are things where that people are thinking, right? You know, it doesn't mean that people are bad that are thinking them, they're just thinking it. So they use that to relate to the person, create a community, and then they sneak in like nine or 10 actual like degenerate views that they hold, but they use the relatable one to pull people in and the other nine actual like mm-hmm. hateful ones, they slip in afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a really ratty thing. So I've noticed that and I'm happy that, you know, in hindsight, at least in the moment, maybe not so much, but in hindsight, I'm happy that, you know, for the political uh, thing that Destiny was there to call out Nick Fuentes. And uh, these are things that happen with Jordan Peterson and other people. Like if you look deeper into their things, it's not just this stuff. Where, oh, well, why is it if I say this that I can't say the other? They slip in like some ideologies that are just fucking batshit. And that's the problem. Anyways, continue. No, no, I, I think it, w- what you're saying is in, is entirely tr- true, and and that tends to be kind of the problem is that we've obliterated the middle grounds, we've obliterated the common issue, we've we've created a sense of extremes, and you know to speak on that becomes increasingly political. So so more where I'm have a better understanding in, in terms of like human behavior, it, you know, creates these layers of discomfort and distrust. But I don't fit into one far right or, or one far left side or another. So I'm not being advocated for. I'm not being represented and I lose identity. Uh, and then somebody sweeps in and they'd say, ah, I will accommodate you. But you need to accommodate some other things because it all goes hand in hand. How does it go hand in hand? Well, don't worry about that because you're being represented now and that's what you wanted, right? So everything else just kind of falls into line with that in you know, that's, that's kind of what that sense of corruption tends to be, but it exists on both sides, which increasingly makes it uncomfortable. I think the challenge, you know, emotionally is that we have to have some capacity to have a greater conversation about everything, but it's getting to the point where there's so many problems in the world to have an opinion on everything. You feel like you feel like you absolutely do need to have an opinion on everything. But you certainly don't have time to be educated on all of those opinions. You just have to have them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if we're acknowledging like the degenerate views, like Destiny was saying, that somebody that some people do, um, does that mean that streamers shouldn't entertain trolls or haters, like Adept was saying, and try to work with them, or should we just insta ban them? 
I don't, I don't really know like which direction to go now because I see both. I, I think that you can engage with trolls, but you have to do it in a responsible way. And it depends. Like your reaction to that is so incredibly important. Um, and, and a lot of people, um, like it's complicated interactions to talk about, but like here is like, here is the number one of the most annoying fucking parenting mistakes that I see made that is so horribly damaging to a child's development. Okay. You'll have like, um, you'll have like a four or five year old, somebody that should know better will come in and maybe hit somebody like an adult. Right. They'll come in and they'll throw something at them or they'll hit somebody. So they'll do something like this. Right. And this is a behavior that they clearly shouldn't do. And the parent will do something like this. The parent will look at the child, hit another adult, and the parent will go, Oh, come on. You know, you're not supposed to do that. And then the child will walk off knowing that what he just did kind of got a laugh and a chuckle out of his parent. People do this half-assed discipline shit all the fucking time where you are sending very fucking confusing signals to, to people. So for instance, if somebody in chat comes out and they say some shit, like everybody knows that like women age out after 35 and that after that they're worthless used up rags or whatever. And you're like, oh, come on, dude. Like, come on, man. That's not cool to say. That's not engaging with a troll. And if you have reactions like that year in and year out, and you know, in five years, you find that you're surrounded by a bunch of people that fucking hate women, which is pretty mm -hmm. easy to find yourself with at Twitch. Um, if that happens, then it's like, okay, yeah, because you're not actually engaging with somebody in a serious manner. Like you're kind of yeah. doing this, like, <laughs> like, yeah, come on, dude, you know, you shouldn't do that. But like, fucking, <laughs> fucking A, man. Right? Like, yeah, that's not like engaging with a troll. And another example is that like engaging with a troll, if you're legitimately becoming now, I don't see this with any loaded weight because I don't think it's weak or bad to get emotional. But if you're getting genuinely emotional when you respond to somebody and it's actually upsetting you, it's probably not a very effective engagement either because now people are mm -hmm. seeing that they can get a rise out of you when you do something. If you feel like you're capable of seeing a negative comment in chat, taking that comment and saying, hey, listen, dude, I know that you're saying this, but this isn't really cool for these reasons and we don't really tolerate that here. And you ban somebody like that or you give them a, a, a weak ban or a mute or whatever. Um, I think that if you engage in a behavior like that, you have a consistent pattern of doing it. Over time, your community will reflect your values. Also, also to add in, I think there's a third extreme aside from, from the first. And I'm aware of this. And yeah, I, I, still, I still don't do it. But I think... And I heard us talking about this in the beginning. So when someone says something that's just hateful and just fucked up, I think what we do is we call them a fucking loser, fucking idiot, and then we permaban them, right? But what we don't understand, and I hate to high road a little bit here, but I think it actually is the right answer, even though I'm not going to follow it probably, but I should. What happens is you have to understand, in his world, in, this, in the reality he's living in, he truly sees what he just said to you. In this, at least for this instance, I'll give this example. He sees that as the truth. So when you just, you know, obviously for your world, it's the complete opposite. So when you answer with a, you fucking idiot, that's just so fucked up of you, you piece of shit, and you permaban, you're not really, mm -hmm. the situation isn't being helped. He's not going to say, oh, fuck, I went too far. It's only going to further justify and perpetuate the hate and criticism he has for you. And nothing's going to be solved there except for. Well, that, sure. Right? Well, that's, yeah, well, that's kind of true. Like, you also can't put it's it's not like the responsibility of any streamer to subject themselves to constantly educating toxic fucks in chat. Mm -hmm. Like there and and like yeah. then the problem is like to even explain some of these things like requires an exhausting amount of time. Like how fucking irritating it might be if you're a female streamer and and you've got a person that comes in and it's like, "Oh wow, you look very pretty today" or whatever. And you get like comments like that like to even begin to explain like, "Okay, this is like really irritating." Like it, it's already like that's like a 30-minute fucking conversation. And you don't always have the time or the opportunity to like go off and like it's not anything so i can understand for some people where you're just like okay fuck you and then you ban them i like i think it's okay like, i think like generally you have like a responsibility to like 
you know, try to set the tone for your community and make people understand things. But I don't think that, um, I don't think you're obligated to with every single person you've been like, that's putting quite an onus on, on right. the streamer, I think. No, I agree it, with your first explanation of like, just saying, Hey, we don't tolerate that here and setting mm -hmm. an example. I think that's probably the best approach. It's like a middle that, ground of not tolerating it, but also not giving them attention per se. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, one of the things that we learn in, in human behavior is, is, uh, and this is more what we call a field called applied behavioral analysis, but people, you know, live based in reward systems. It's, it's how human behaviors get developed is experiences that, you know, they're being shaped by how they're rewarded. Um, and the reality of, of somebody that's like really trolling the chat is, is a punishment for them doing that troll is, is still attention. Um, you know, mm -hmm. trying to help them, trying to support them. It's, it's attention. And, and yeah, there's, there's some things to be said about potentially just going through and, and trying to save this troll and, and trying to win them over or the chat white knighting and, and trying to defend. Um, but I think it's, it's almost the, you know, from what I see and, and what I've experienced in, in using this technique is just simply, um, just going straight for the banner or, or simply not acknowledging. Um, because when we starve that attention seeking behavior, um, and there's no outlet for that, there's, there's no response to that. Eventually, you know, you just learn through that process of socialization that, oh, okay, got it. This isn't, this isn't going to get me what I want. It's tough to say, especially as you're working with people that are, are increasingly older. But I think at the like average Twitch age, average Twitch chat age, anyways, that that still works. If you, simply don't give any kind of attention whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Now that gets mixed up. If they go and they find attention somewhere else, they go to the next channel and then, you know, they, they get exactly what they're looking That's for. That's the biggest issue for my emotes and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that works in theory, but not always. That. I feel like yeah. I've, um, so when it comes to people coming into the chat and saying really hateful or mean stuff about either other streamers or like, um, I'm a, I react to a lot of things. So sometimes they'll say something really mean about the person on screen, but not me. That's where I found success in doing like destiny's approach and going, Hey, you know, we don't talk like that here, you know, cause I'll see them say something really mean about like the woman on screen and I'll just let them know that that's not cool. And that doesn't help the other people in chat that may resemble that woman or relate to that woman. You know what I mean? Um, but then doing your approach when it's someone that's like attacking me for no reason, a lot of the times I just, per just ban them just either one week, two weeks uh, or permanently, like, because I, I think starving them of that attention is important. Well, for mm -hmm. some, and it's easier on me. Cause like you guys said, it's exhausting to educate every single person. Yeah, that's well yeah. said. I agree with that as well. Um, boys, we are. I'll tell you what, if we can somehow muster together, get together, get this to, you know, 11,500, I'll throw in 3,500 to put it at a nice 15K. Whew. Let's come together, boys. We're almost there. We're $504 away. 504. Huge love to everyone that came to the show tonight. I think, uh, you know, does everyone feel satisfied like, in terms of, you know, things they wanted to talk about? Um, um, oh, sorry. I'll just, um, shooting off one final question. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so a lot of the times people feel like they have friends that they know need help, but you can't really force somebody to do it. 
Um, what do you do if you have a friend that's in a situation where you feel like, hey, like this person seems like they are, we'll use gaming as an unhealthy uh, attachment or engagement with gaming. Like, how do you encourage your friend like that to do something when it seems like you're overstepping your boundaries or it's not really your place to talk? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good question. We, we kind of touched on it previously. And I, I think there's there's a couple of different approaches, but the one that I've just found the most success with anytime I'm trying to figure out how to talk with somebody about how they're feeling anytime I'm trying to talk with somebody and encourage them to to kind of get help if possible. Um, is kind of giving them these three options when we go into a conversation is you know, one, you should definitely reach out. You should definitely check in. Mm -hmm. um, in doing so, offering, you know, hey, do you do you want me to listen to you? Do, do you want me to be here and just listen? Do you want me to give advice? Uh, or do you want me to get involved in any way? Um, and not necessarily expecting that that's going to solicit an immediate response. Really, th that might just be, um, no, you know, I'm good. I, I appreciate that. But as things continue to get challenging and, and you've kind of created that role that you're here, not necessarily within any expectation, but simply to be supportive, that really paves the way for that conversation. Now, if you're seeing somebody who's genuinely at a place where this person's like declining, like I can tell this person is emotionally distraught, not doing well, it's, it's totally acceptable to just openly discuss that. Hey, you know, and, and totally correct me if I'm wrong, but it, I, it just seems like um, you've been having a really difficult time lately. You know, would you like me to to listen, you know, and just be here for you to vent? Do you want me to give advice or do you want me to get involved? And, and using that as that series of prompts to continue to place yourself in this active role so that that one day where it is, yeah, I'm actually looking for some advice like or yeah, if you could get involved. Um, I think it's just, you know, when we talk about friends, especially lately, we don't pave those kinds of roads in our friendships anymore. We, we don't pave that road where it's okay to have that conversation without someone feeling like, like, no, I'm not weak. Like I don't need that. Or I'm not comfortable with you asking me about those things. You know, maybe to some degree we have to redefine what friends means. But certainly in the context of, of what I imagine a friendship to be, even with a little bit of resistance, you know, ultimately I'm either going to kind of directly, you know, go into that situation and have that conversation with them, or I'm going to make sure that they know that I'm here, that it's okay to have that conversation whenever they're ready. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that sounds about right. And that kind of adds to everything that we've talked about today with Dr. Kayon. And I think you elaborate a little bit more on your point from what you were talking about earlier. And I think it's just being there. And I, uh, since we're in your destiny, Dr. K pretty much said, uh, he's, he's, he's had instances where, you know, someone's told them that someone's told him that, you know, he wants to kill himself. And it happens to end up that, you know, he wants, he wants like a chocolate bar, it goes to the gas station and the gas station attendant you know, is very nice, gives him a nice smile. And that was it. That was the trigger that decided, you know, allowed him to say not to do, not to take his life. So it's like things like that. So I think the moral of that is just, you know, just be there. Just like if you're there in support, these instances will like create themselves in a way just out of the, does that make sense? Just out of the passive support of being there. Is that, Jason, sure, yeah. is that kind of? No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. I, I think, you know, sometimes we, we see uh, a very sad reality where people don't have that 
mm-hmm. in their life and and that can be very challenging um or they've they've grown up in a way where they're resistant to allowing people to be that person in their life and uh, it almost becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy like they don't believe anyone can be there for them but they also don't allow people to be there for them and then people who are trying to be there for them eventually burn out and they're not there for them um and that that kind of is just like the proof to them like of yeah i don't deserve anybody to reach out to that that's a pretty hard reality to see but i i think you know as, as somebody who struggled with with mental health issues a lot in the past i think one of the scariest things that that i you know re- realized is i felt like i burned way too many bridges where I needed help and I wanted help but I didn't ask for it in the right ways or people didn't ask me in the right ways I felt and so it it just didn't happen and eventually those people gave up and you know as much as I could understand why they would give up it also facilitated that thought process of like yeah everybody just gives up on me anyways so I think in in building that bridge with those three questions uh, you're ultimately creating a relationship with somebody that allows for those conversations to happen. Well said. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure having you on, Jason. Thank you for coming on. Ours, the fact that you and Dr. K both, both of you are, you know, for the most part, for what I know, you know, you guys have nice, you know, good schedules, responsible, take care of yourselves. And these, these schedules are completely, you know, I, I don't know if this is a uh, politically incorrect word, but completely degenerate hours. So, I really do appreciate you and Dr. K uh, taking the time and, you know, hanging out with us, raising awareness, you know, helping inform people and, um, you know, bringing us all together. It really does mean a lot. Thank you so much. And thank you for working with the Scuff Podcast and, you know, creating a page for us for Rise Above Disorder, the donation page, alerts, all these things, things that there was no need for you to do at all. And you still did. So I really do appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And boys... Hearts and chat for Jason here. His organization is amazing. The fact that he's taking care of so many different people that, you know, can't afford health insurance or are in situations where they can't get the help they need because of, you know, money or a situational thing or where they live. It's absolutely amazing. These are the type of organizations that I would support and I, and I think everyone should support. So huge love. Thank you so much, Jason. Do you have any uh, last words? Uh, just just thank you uh i know this if you mentioned this is like degenerate hours but yeah i mean th- these are the hours where we're finding so many people who who need help yeah. um you know maybe not not to the degree that they're degenerates and but yeah. to to the degree that it's, it's hard to take care of yourself when you're struggling and so there's a lot of people like i it's just you know so many so many people reaching out like i can scroll almost infinitely on my emails the amount of people that have now filled out these intake forms and will directly utilize these donations i mean we've we've just spent the last few hours fundraising for people within chat who have always wanted to get better and just couldn't so that's that's a pretty beautiful thing um so i appreciate you creating that opportunity and and everybody here that's that joins for creating that opportunity and and being willing to have those conversations. It's a group effort. 100% everyone, all of you each. And thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, just being here alone. I'm sure all of you know the effect of it alone, it, you know, causes your communities to come in support, passively support. Just so a lot of love to each and every one of you. I really do appreciate it. I know a lot of you, you know, have lives tomorrow and things to do. And I'm sorry it went so late like usual. 
Um, so, yo, mods, if you could please uh, create a block with all their links. I know some of you don't care for that stuff, but I just, I'd rather just you know, do it anyways. Um, huge love to Abdu2Beastie, twitch.tv slash Abdu2Beastie. Um, thank you, Abdu. Twitch.tv slash AdeptTheBest. Thank you, Adept. I, I love having you on. You know, you're confident in Dang. what you believe. You're, uh, you know, well-spoken. And I love how you just say what's on your mind. I love that. So Thank you. I want to say thank you to Train and thank you to Jason for all that you do. Appreciate it. And Devin, yeah. <laughs> Amaranth, thanks for being here. I'm, I'm actually liking, you know, I'm liking you a lot. I mean, you know, if, if you're free Thursdays, you're more welcome to you know, join us as, as a regular guest. Okay. You know, I, I think this side of you is a side that many people don't get to see. Therefore, they just like start assuming things. So I think it's a really good thing once a week, you know, to show this side. So thanks for coming on. Oh. Twitch.tv slash Amaranth, guys. Please check her out. And huge love to, oh, I forgot to turn this camera on. Huge love to Charlie here, boys. I still call him Moist. I know you guys make fun of me for that, but you know, I that just I just go but yeah. Uh huge yo, Charlie, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I know you had plans today on your stream. Uh oh, guys, for those of you that don't know, Charlie had plans. He made you know, he, he he put some stuff in stone. He literally cut it short just to join us. So please, please, please show him some love and tomorrow or whatever day he goes live next, you know, go in there and support him. To make up, you know, so I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, Charlie. It was a You're blast. Like I'm a hero, bro. I was just watching some like garbage shit on YouTube, mm -hmm. man. It's not a big deal. I, this was a great <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it was a really nice thing you did here today. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm gonna get your links. Oh, that was very nice. Oh, thanks for saying up and thanks for having us all on, dude. It was nice. I'm sorry I couldn't uh, be of much help. I just thought that uh, some of my input would have been pretty uh, pre prepared, guys. I just kind of sat down and listened, and I'm glad I listened. I think, I, I actually mm -hmm. think that. That goes a long way. The effect of just listening, especially being such a good, big content creator you are, like the effect that gives off to your viewers that, you know, some some are older, some are younger. I, I, I think that's a good step to, you know, earlier we were talking about role models, right? I think that's good. The fact you could sit here and listen, I think uh, uh, has a positive effect on your community as well. Not to mention your community passively supports the stream and you know, we move up in the exposure, thus bringing more awareness to more people. So XQC, Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. Twitch.tv yep. slash XQC Overwatch. You already know that. All of you are already sure. following, but please follow him. Twitch.tv is moist critical, guys. Uh, mods, just keep spamming it. Spam it until people are annoyed. Twitch.tv says Destiny. Huge love. Came in today. I, I love the vibes. I love the vibes from everybody, inclu uh, including your Destiny XQ. You know, people like joined a little later. Thank you so much. Twitch.tv is Destiny, guys. Make sure to follow him. He's a political streamer on the platform. And he covers a lot of stuff. Twitch.tv slash Devin Nash, co-host, co-producer absolute legend he connected me with jason so you know please give him the credit he deserves great guy podcast wouldn't be anywhere near where it is without him so please show him some love. and uh yeah push <laughs> devin nash and huge shout out to you again jason i really do appreciate uh you you know collabing with us and getting together uh, on short notice so thank you so much um yeah for those of you that uh want to listen to the podcast if you want to listen to this again or if you want to you know refer, refer to some friends you can just do explanation with podcasts in the chat, guys. It'll bring you the link to Spotify, Google, iTunes, all the, everything. So you can check it out there. Or you can go to YouTube and check it out there. For the reviews, <laughs> I'm going to continue reading. It's not like the right atmosphere. So next week, we'll continue. Yeah, yeah, de I agree. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, literally, anytime you read them is productive because people go and do it. So yeah, I agree. it doesn't so matter when it is. Next week, guys, I'll read double the reviews. So make sure to go review it. And uh, you know, five, I'll read five, some five-star reviews next week, which is the 100th anniversary. And so far, the special guest we have is Nick Merckx, and we have a few others joining him. So it should be a good time. Um, and, you know, obviously, X is usually busy, and you know, some of the other regulars will be invited. Um, 
Destiny, Charlie, Depth, all of you guys are welcome. I'm doing my man. I need you hyping there. Anyways, thank you guys. I love you all. We, we hit $15,206. Huge love. Thank you so much to everybody. And uh, thank just you. because he won't do it himself, huge shout out to Trainwrecks for making this possible. This is three fucking charities he's done this year, right? Like we've had a pretty shitty year. We're only seven months in, but uh, Train himself has raised over $70,000 for charity through this podcast, including $15,000 for RAD today. Um, through you guys, so thank you for the thank you train for everything you do for Twitch. You are literally the most underrated broadcaster. Thank you, man. It's awesome. Thanks, Devin. Appreciate the love, man. All right, guys, have a great night. Thank you so much. I love you all. Positive vibes. Hey, keep your heads up. Hey, the year could get worse. If it does, keep your heads up and uh, DM me. I probably won't answer for like maybe like three days, but hey, when I do see it, I'll send you a heart or something and something that yeah, I don't know. I, I was trying to make a joke. It was bad. All right, love you guys. I, I love you guys. Night. I have to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you. Bye. See you later. Goodbye. Bye. All right, guys. Amazing, amazing stream. I hope you guys had a uh, good time. I think we had a successful stream. Huge shout out to all the donators, guys. We had multiple thousand dollar donations. Um, and huge shout out to everybody. And uh, shout out $21 from uh, General Ice. You want me to say that? He donated that to me accidentally. So I had to put that. So I put that in the $3,500 that I donated. Um, so I actually donated like $34.79. And then 21 was from General Ice. Um, he donated to the wrong link, so I just wanted to make that clear. As far as everything else goes, guys, please, 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 you know, if you think this podcast will help somebody, this episode, please, uh, you know, tell them to watch this episode or just, you know, give them Dr. K's VODs and, you know, just be there for them. Please, please be there for them. And if you see any friends going through like a serious, you know, episode, you know, talk to their parents, reach out to a healthcare professional, get them there ASAP. And um, for everything else, just be there, you know. Thank you guys for everything. I appreciate it. Next week is the 100th anniversary. And once again, a uh, special guest is Nick Merckx and some others. I'm not going to announce them just yet. Some big boys. It's, it's going to be a nice 100th anniversary. So I'm pretty excited for that. Please stay safe. I love you guys. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the subs. And thanks for the donos. And thanks for supporting the charity. Guys, $15,206. All of you should be proud of yourselves. So hearts and chat for yourselves. And uh, yeah, I love you boys. Check out NordVPN as well. Exclamation point Nord. Code Trainwreck, send me a personal off one month free. And uh, twitter.com slash TV to stay up to date with future charities, future podcasts, and, you know, all news at all. Well, I shouldn't say news because what I say isn't news. So, yeah, not news, but just my ramblings and stupid shit. So, twitter.com slash TV mods, please spam that in there. And, uh, yeah, for anything else, just do uh, exclamation point podcast, exclamation point whatever else. All right. I love you, boys. Make sure to follow the stream and follow the Twitter. Have a good night and stay safe and, hey, keep your head up. Stay positive. Love you, boys. Squad W and Squad O. I always do this. You see this? I always do this. I don't even have anything ready now to sit here. Very awkwardly, I do it. Give me a sec here, please. All right, guys. Have a good one. See you later.